Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast, bi week edition. I am Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com, and I have fulfilled my contractual obligation to mention my name three times. With that accomplished, I will turn to some issues for this team at this time while it rests in NFL week six. Um, ready to return for uh, a rematch with Indianapolis. You know that I hate teams playing three times in the span of four weeks. That's how the Titans will play it, though, October 23rd in a rematch against the Colts, a miserable football team that should not find a way to beat the Titans. Then a trip to Houston. Uh, Titans could be looking at a five-game winning streak there before they head on Sunday night. November 6th to Kansas City, a much more difficult assignment and the start of a much more difficult stretch and schedule, though Denver the following week should not be bad. Player everyone wants to talk about, and I'm getting some ridiculous Twitter stuff on, is Caleb Farley, last year's number one draft pick, who just looks big, slow, and confused he is um he he played nine snaps nine snaps last week in the win in washington and uh it might have been the last of those snaps where he turned and stumbled and fell down maybe he was actually trying to dive and and take a swipe at diami brown's legs but the play was over and uh, a speedy young receiver was past him for a 75-yard touchdown. And the Titans are giving up X plays, explosive plays. They've given up 15 plays of 20 yards or more in the past game, which is one of their biggest defensive problems. And yes, other guys have taken their turn, but Farley is the least reliable guy on the team right now. And a lot of fans are saying that, that the Titans have to give Farley experience. They have to stick with him. They have to put him out there and let him take his lumps in order for him to fight through this crisis um, and come out the other side. Can't get better without experience. These fans are confusing the high school team they're watching on Friday nights with the NFL team they're watching on Sundays. You can't stick with a guy who is consistently having this level of struggle, giving up massive plays, showing very little confidence until he sorts through it. And you're contradicting yourself because you've called for bad players to be benched for a long time. And when you've seen them not benched, you've complained. And now some of you are asking for a bad player to be kept on the field until he improves. So he could go through his bumps and bruises and struggles and come through the other side. Here's how Caleb Farley comes through the other side. He kicks ass at practice weekly and he earns more of a chance. And when he gets more of a chance, He has to play well on snap one and then snap two and then snap three and then snap four. And hopefully that's a series and it earns him a chance to play snap five and six and seven. 
and then earn himself more of a chance. And if on snap nine, he's giving up a 75 yard touchdown, he's going to get pulled because quite frankly, say what you will about Terrence Mitchell. He's better right now than Caleb Farley. And you should want a meritocracy where the better guys play regardless of draft status. And that's the way Mike Rabel has generally run things. Now, Mike Vrabel, I'm sure, signed off on the Caleb Farley pick, but the guy who the buck stops with is John Robinson. We're going to get at this on topic two. And, and John Robinson looks to have made another bad pick. He picked a guy who was injured. He didn't miss that much camp. Farley last year, about a week, came back from his back injuries. Um you know, made it into the season. Then I believe he had a shoulder injury that cost him, I think three weeks. <clears throat> and then he tore his ACL an injury. He had also suffered at Virginia tech. And so that year was a wash. Then he was all the rage of the off season programs, right? He was one of the hardest working guys in the off season. And then in training camp, he had some really good moments and really the times that he looked the worst were against little receivers, sudden guys who he was having trouble as a tall guy transitioning against, breaking down against. And so some of us were thinking, well, <clears throat> this promise here, but if I'm a uh, if I'm a coach or defensive coordinator, or I, I would be looking to get a little guy against Caleb Farley, uh, especially once I if I get buzz. From, from the Cardinals or from the Buccaneers about what happened at these joint practices during training camp um, or some hints from, from preseason games or see stuff happen early in the season. Now it hasn't really mattered what size these guys have been. Caleb Farley has struggled too much. And <clears throat> I don't think the way to get Caleb Farley competent and right and most importantly productive the only thing that matters is productive is to continue to play him through these bad plays if you have better alternatives and they have better alternatives sad as that is to say christian fulton you know he's been beaten too but he's their clear number one uh roger mccreary is a growing guy he doesn't have the longest arms but he plays pretty sticky coverage he gave up a 30 yard touchdown pass to brown also an x play in washington but if you look at that play he he was in a good spot he failed to turn around he failed to get his head around he failed to get his arm up and then the guy made a really good play against him a one-handed touchdown i'm not making an excuse for mccreary there he's a year behind farley though and he's shown more instincts than farley and he's shown more upside than farley and that play was also, what, 45 yards less of an X play than Farley's. <clears throat> Terrence Mitchell, look, I, I have some faith in Mike Vrabel and his staff and the decisions that they make with the roster that they've been provided, which is getting worse instead of better. If they've got Mitchell out there over Farley, they've got a reason for it. And Farley's got to give them a reason to flip those snaps. And uh, he doesn't play the same position as Elijah Molden, but 
you know, if Molden's back at some point here, coming off of uh, IR, which may not be real soon, that's going to give him another guy who probably could play ahead of Farley if Farley is playing the way he is playing now. Anthony Midget, the corner coach, I'm sure talked about Farley specifically when he was talking to the press on Monday. Uh, I wasn't there for that, but, but was part of a question um, that he talked about the, the whole group, not just one guy. Here's what he said about the corners in general and the X plays. We just got to continue to work and continue to better and get better and stress it. You know, we're talking about in the meeting rooms on the practice field about just keeping the ball in front of us, playing with our technique and just understand what we need to get done. And the main thing is not giving up the explosive plays. And it's not just one person. This is everybody in the back end that we just have to be better. So corners, coverage, the biggest defensive issue. Titans have to look at what they can do to tighten things up there. Rabel said, you know, combination of, of a lot of different factors, you know, scheme, coverage, mistakes. One of Farley's things is that he, he gets caught looking in the, in the backfield at the quarterback too often. That seems like a habit that a, a corner, and I know he hasn't played corner the longest, that he, uh, you know, changed positions in college. but. Um, He's got to break that habit. He's got to break that habit. He's got to get out of this funk. He's a pending bust right now, a pending bust. And I'm going to break some guys into some categories here. Let's talk about the personnel troubles the Titans are having. Back in 2019, in the 2020 season, I would have said that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson were very even in terms of guys doing their jobs. The, the uh, general managership of the Titans was quite good, and the uh, coaching of the Titans was quite good. Um, and, and the Titans had a, a terrific draft in 2019. I just lost my uh, Titans draft page on the web, of course. So you hear me typing in there to refresh my memory here, which I should know off the top of my head, but uh, you know it. 2019 Jeffrey Simmons, who they were willing to wait on, terrific player, who I imagine is going to be here for the long term. A.J. Brown, the terrific player who they got in this fight with and traded, unfortunately, after three years in a contract dispute. Nate Davis, a quality starting right guard. Amani Hooker, a quality starting safety who got a second contract. DeAndre Walker, who got hurt as a rookie. Um, <clears throat> hernia. Came back, didn't make it his second year. David Long. Sixth round pick, quality, quality starter who just made an interception to end a game. I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five starters out of six picks. That's extraordinarily good. Extraordinarily good. We look at the two drafts that followed that, and they are extraordinarily bad. Isaiah Wilson, we've covered a bust. Christian Fulton, a quality starter. Darrington Evans, third round pick in 2020, a bust. Um, 
Laurel Murchison practice squad guy at best, right? Is he on the practice squad right now? I thought I saw him in the locker room lately. He is. Cole McDonald didn't even make it really into training camp. Chris Jackson, you know, tore a seventh rounder, gave them some, some good work above his stature um, at corner. He's on the practice squad now. But that's a bad draft. I mean, when you're first and your third bust to the level that Wilson and Evans did, Murchison, you know, looked like fifth round is a place where Robinson has made some hay. Terrible. Next draft, Farley, as I called him, a pending bust. Raidens, a pick in the second round to chase the Wilson pick, is a backup guard when you drafted him to play right tackle and maybe to grow into your left tackle. I think he's more than a pending bust at this stage. Played a nice game at right guard to replace Nate Davis when he was hurt, but he's not even listed as a reserve tackle anymore. And, uh, you know, couldn't beat out Aaron Brewer in camp. Monty Rice, the third rounder. <clears throat> Is he going to be a guy that can replace David Long in a year? I, I, you know, we haven't seen enough of him. The jury's still out, but I'm not real confident in him. Molden, we talked about. I think he's a pretty solid player, but uh, we don't know for sure. I think, uh, I think he's a pretty solid player, Elijah Molden. Des Fitzpatrick, a fourth rounder, waited too long to draft a uh, a receiver in this draft. It's a practice squad guy. They just called him up for a game. They didn't target him once. He's been cut coming out of camp two years in a row. A little early to declare bust. I don't know. Looks like a bust. Rashad Weaver, good up-and-coming player. Not a great run defender, but uh, he's getting to the quarterback, and that's what you want out of a guy. And you get a guy who could get to the quarterback as a fourth-round pick, that's a success. Racy McMath, we don't know anything about him except that he can run fast. Brady Breeze, long gone. So uh, out of the draft there, how many players? I mean, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 players in that draft. You got one starter in Fulton. You got a second guy in Weaver who's productive. And you've got, you know, a couple backups, Raidens, Rice, Molden, a role player. It's a terrible, terrible record. You go to free agent acquisitions in 2020. Jack Crawford gave you what you expected. Vic Beasley cut during the year. Jonathan Joseph cut during the year. Ty Sambrilo. Yeah, it was pretty good offensive line backup who filled in, but ultimately quit on you a year later. Zubnar, I don't know if that was his first year or the second year, gave you what you expected. First signing or second signing gave you what you expected. 2021, Julio Jones, terrible. Josh Reynolds, another guy who, uh, you know, Titans say it's it's mutual. I don't believe it's mutual. I believe the Titans cut him. That's, that's three guys in Vic Beasley, Jonathan Joseph, and Josh Reynolds who you cut during their first year with the team after signing them. Kendall Lamb, horrific. Danico Autry, home run. Bud Dupree, 
pretty good when he's on the field. He hasn't been on the field. Janoris Jenkins, I think, pretty much gave you what you expected. You were looking for a veteran cornerback uh, to be with the uh, with the team, uh, with the young corners. Kevin Johnson quit before he even got to training camp. Vic Beasley quit on the team. Jonathan Joseph, not good enough to play. Josh Reynolds quit on the team. Kevin Johnson quit on the team. Ty Sambrilo quit on the team. You, you've got quitters and a good share of John Robinson's additions there. You, you hit, hit like got something big on one and a half of 12 players. Danico Autry and Bud Dupree, who the jury's still out of. Five major misses, misses, one and a half retirements, a disappointment, one huge hit, one question. Two and a half guys meeting expectations. It's a ridiculous rate, ridiculous. 21 players between in those two seasons between draft picks and free agent additions or trades. Danico Autry, home run. Christian Fulton, pretty damn good. Elijah Molden, looks like he's going to be a steady contributor. Bud Dupree, good when he's out there. Hasn't been out there enough. Jury's out, and he got some big money. Rashad Weaver, I'd put fifth there. He's sacking the quarterback. That's out of 21 players, I'm mentioning five. Five. John Robinson, you know, doesn't talk much during the season, and right now he wouldn't want to talk much because this team is not deep enough with all of these misses. The draft before this, I just ran through. They got six, five starters in one draft. Last two drafts, they've got one starter. And Weaver's a starter now because of injury. So last two drafts, two starters. Draft before that, five starters. It's ridiculous. The hit rate of the free agents, preposterous. Those two drafts put this team in a huge hole. Those two, two acquisition seasons put this team in a huge hole right now. There's massive pressure on John Robinson to do far better this upcoming season. And Robinson and Rabel are married. Their contracts are parallel. Amy Adams Strunk loves John Robinson. He's not in any kind of trouble but he should be feeling personnel, a personal pressure. And he should be feeling pressure when he looks at, at the job Mike Vrabel's doing with 91 players last season with 20 starters on defense already this season. A lot of that's injury related, but a lot of the holes on this roster, this Caleb Farley argument, that's on John Robinson. He's got final say on these players. Imagine if Josh Reynolds had come here and been good had wanted to play in the environment he signed up to play in. Well, I'm pretty sure that was a one-year deal, but maybe he would have gotten re-signed and, and he'd be in the mix where they have no quality receivers. Imagine if Kendall Lamb had been a good sixth offensive lineman last year. Imagine he'd be here now and he'd, he'd be, uh, you know, would have eliminated the need for Dennis Daly would have been good or if sembrelo maybe if he didn't quit maybe he would have risen to the occasion i mean there's so many things to to imagine 
Jonathan Joseph, you know, you could put that one partly on Vrabel. I'm sure he gave an endorsement. They were desperate for corners then. And uh, they went out and got a Houston guy that I'm sure Vrabel and his heavy Houston staff endorsed, and he was just done. But you want to look at arrow up, arrow down? Mike Vrabel finds ways to win with limited talent, plugging in guys off the street on Wednesday morning who are playing on Sunday afternoon. Mario Edwards, latest example. And John Robinson, yeah, I mean, he's finding Mario Edwards, but not until he misses on, on guys in front of him. And just think, here, here's a couple, you know, direct lines that these aren't injury situations, you know? If Des Fitzpatrick were good, Nick Westbrook-Akina would play like the proper amount for Nick Westbrook-Akina. Dennis Daly is playing because of the Lawan injury, but if if Dylan Radins was anything like what they cast him to be when they spent a second round pick, he should be a depth option at tackle. And between Radins and Nicholas Petit Frere or Isaiah Wilson and Radins or Nicholas Petit Frere, probably all three of them aren't on the team. They, they would have two tackle options homegrown who were good. This leads me to uh, a question one of you asked on the private Facebook page, which you could be a member of if you were a member of paulkuharski.com, $5.99 a month, price of a cocktail or a fancy cup of coffee. Get everything I write, get a weekly broadcast, private, um, one during the week, one from the press box after the game. Get a weekly column from Mike Herndon with an analytic perspective. He's fantastic. Get scouting reviews and previews from Blake Bettingfield. Fantastic. Um, it's well worth it. On top of all the Titans coverage you may read, this is above and beyond that stuff, something different. If you're not a member, you should be a member. No nonsense stuff like this podcast. You see a lot of gimmicks here or just straightforward, no nonsense analysis. Jason Cox asked, what can Amy Adams Strunk and John Robinson do to improve the scouting record? Because he knows that Robinson's going nowhere. Here's the first thing I would do. This team clearly is not good at evaluating offensive linemen. One of the Houston Oilers slash Tennessee Titans favorite sons, Mike Munchak, not working this year. Nathaniel Hackett didn't rehire him in Denver. He was great with offensive linemen here. As, as a position coach for a long time. He did good work as a head coach, despite Chance Warmack. Um, he went to Pittsburgh. Their offensive line got better. Since he left, they've had trouble. He did good work with Denver's offensive line. I don't know what's going on with their offensive line now. If he's not getting back in next year, they should hire him as a consultant immediately whether he wants to stop by their offices or do everything remote. He knows offensive line in and out. He's a Hall of Fame offensive lineman. Whatever kind of offensive lineman they want to play whatever style they want, he can help them do better at finding those people. There, Jason Cox is the first move I would make. Does John Robinson... Is John Robinson willing to kind of, you know, take 
make that move, take that help, ask for that help. He should be. He should be. He's not good enough. His staff is not good enough at judging offensive linemen. Even if Nicholas Petit Prayer is, is good, and, you know, he's on, on a good path right now. He could get good. But the, it, John Robinson can't look at that and say, well, we figured it out. He traded for Dennis Daly also. He's not that far removed from Raidens and Wilson and Kendall Lamb. Uh, and, you know, too many people that have not panned out. So some talk about a, a trade with Carolina for DJ Moore. Uh, the Panthers fired Matt Rule. Steve Wilkes takes over. Um, you know, they're not going anywhere this year. The Panthers, it would make sense for them to trade off some of their biggest assets. DJ Moore is one of them. Christian McCaffrey's another. Titans could use a big-time wide receiver. DJ Moore's not top of the pile in the league by any means. Maximum this year, playing with a bad quarterback, 11 targets in a game. He had six catches in a game, only 59 yards for a high in a game, only one touchdown all season. But from 2019 to 2021, had over 1,100 receiving yards and four touchdowns in a year. Um, and he is substantially cheaper because all this prorated signing bonus would fall on uh, the Panthers. The thing is, like, had they moved him before this season, they would have taken $41.8 million of dead cap. You know, if they move him before next season, they'd, they'd take 37, $35.7 million of dead cap. I don't see how that's feasible for them. But, you know, if the Titans somehow pulled off this deal, which I don't think they will, um, they'd only be taking the remainder of a, a proration, 18-week uh, proration of, of one, a uh, little over $1 million this year. Next year's base is $19.9 million. Um, they could get out of it after that for inexpensively. 2024 is $15.85 million base. 2025 is $14.85 million base. Those are substantially lower numbers than A.J. Brown has, but you're looking at A.J. Brown, um, his contract, including um, the signing bonus he got. You're looking at his salary cap numbers because his contract would have been uh, the complete contract, you know, and the complete contract he got from Philadelphia was, was big. I mean, his, his cap number um, in 2023 is only $8.5 million goes up to 27.7 .7 in 2024 in 2025 goes to 22.6 in 2026. It goes up to 37.8. They can get out after three years for 57.2 million with 15.5 dead. But because Carolina would have taken on all of the bonus money, um, DJ Moore would be much cheaper. But again, they, how can Carolina take on all that dead cap? I think it's a moot, moot point. And I think people have gotten excited about the idea of the Titans making in-season trades for big-time contributors and consistently been disappointed. And I think you'll be disappointed here Again, a few words about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tannehill <clears throat> just started his – how many games here? He started his 50th game 
as the Titan, as a Titan. In those 50 games, compared to other Oilers slash Titans, he's got the most completions, the highest percentage, the best rating, the fewest picks, and the best record. I need to mention his team has the best record with him leading the team. They're 35 and 15 in the regular season. Wins are not a quarterback stat. So I think it's it's important contextually um, that the team has done well while he's been the quarterback. He's certainly a piece of that. But wins um, are not a quarterback stat. That winning percentage with him at quarterback, 68.8, that's number one um, all time. That that nugget, uh, that piece of it is from at Titans Torch. 48 consecutive starts passes McNair uh, for the franchise record and a testament to his toughness. Um, here's Pat O'Hara, the quarterback coach on Tannehill's toughness. You know, you don't want to ever get used to seeing your quarterback pick himself up. Um, but, you you know, he, he tends to get up, thank goodness. And uh, it's been a lot of starts here, a lot of consistency there at that position as in regards to that. So it's all been positive. I think he's underrated in that regard. He was an injured guy in Miami. He's been a healthy guy in Tennessee. Uh, he's been sacked 114 times as a Titan quarterback. And um, he gets up. He gets up. I think injury avoidance is a quarterback skill and Ryan Tannehill has that skill and that's a pretty good skill. Um, he's made some plays despite being under a lot of duress this year and he should get some credit for that. Um, Jim Belaski, another member of the site on the, uh, private Facebook page asks what the odds are in the span of the bye week that they can get a larger contribution impact out of Farley and Raidens. I think low. I mean, they had an extra practice on Wednesday and they'll have an extra practice on Monday. Um, huge things aren't going to happen from those two practices. Um, so it's all about planning and scheming. And I don't know how much planning and scheming you can do for Farley with his failures in coverage. Um, you know, I do think it's conceivable they consider Raiden's at, at left tackle um, because Daly's doing so poorly. You should read um, Herndon. Again, I encourage you to go look at his piece. He kind of makes a case for Raiden's and for LaRaven Clark. Um, who the Titans signed recently from the Eagles practice squad. He's got 16 starts at left tackle, 15 with the Colts, one with Philadelphia. They are alternatives on the roster. I think Raidens is just better in tighter space and that he'll be a better guard. Like Benningfield says, you know, showed himself to be a capable backup guard in that game. Um, you know, and I don't think he can displace Brewer at left guard because Brewer's been okay as a run blocker. It's pass protection that's the question, but I don't see them, a team that's in love with Brewer and clearly not in love with Raiden's making a change there. 
when left tackle is is the bigger question mark and right tackles may be the second biggest question mark and brewer might only be the the third biggest question mark so jim i don't i don't think that they can do a great deal to get larger contributions out of those two guys out of a bye week i wish they could and i know you guys wish they could but um it's not how it flies it's not how it rolls i hope you enjoy the games this weekend um you know everybody always asks about the timing of the bye week and the ideal timing of the bye week and all of that stuff um you take it when you get it the titans obviously have a, a lot of stuff to uh that needs polishing that they need to get better at and they've got injured guys that uh that they need to get uninjured but um I don't know how optimistic they are about Racy McMath and Elijah Molden coming off IR um, after this break. And those are, are the two biggies for them. I'm not convinced McMath's going to be a huge help, but a speedster who could go down the field and draw some coverage occasionally will be a help, at least in some fashion. And Molden, um, you know, clearly can fortify. Um, the back end, particularly if Ugo Amadi is, is going to be a guy who can go through a full practice week and not, um, not wind up being a game day active. So a lot to ponder, but uh, I'd suggest taking your mind off the Titans for a little while, watching some other ball, seeing what kind of uh, rough in the passer calls get botched um, and things like that. So enjoy some college games. Enjoy a Sunday without the stress of um, your usual weekly practices. And go ahead and root on my Yankees who got off to a good start in game one. I'm going to disappear for a few days for family business. And uh, I look forward to reconnecting with everybody when the Titans get back into some sort of a rhythm starting on Monday after week six concludes. Thanks for joining me. Don't block the box and be sure to lock your locks. Thank you.